I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Hi, this is Ken. I am also known as Rice Cube on Twitter. And Ben is uh, our fearless leader, Anil Katuli, but he is getting ready for his honeymoon because he got married and, you know, to do that thing. So with me today is Paul, also known as Crowley, and everybody should know you by now. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, I've been around a long time, so hopefully, you know, people recognize me a little bit. Yeah, well, we definitely recognize you. Well, I, I, I know for for a fact that you're real, being that I actually met you once or twice, maybe three yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fun when you kind of go around those, uh, you know, you, you circle around and you meet a lot of great Cub fans, especially through Twitter and blogs like your guys. It makes it a lot of fun to kind of meet Cub fans and kind of just keep talking about the team we love. Yeah. So we are now in the midst of re- uh, award season. They just announced all the gold gloves and uh, silver sluggers. And I think tonight they're actually announcing the platinum glove, but that hasn't happened yet so should be interesting to see who won and don't forget uh you know anthony rizzo's won a couple of awards based on some of his um off the field contributions you know and i think he's been recognized by the players so it's good to see him getting all this credit he won the clemente man of the year award during the world series and he's won a couple of other awards since the season ended so you know for a guy who does so much for cancer patients and trying to help, you know, with pediatric cancers. He's just, you know, I'm glad to see that gets recognized. Yeah. He got the Marvin Miller man of the year award. And uh, incidentally, Marvin Miller is in the veterans committee for the hall of fame. And uh, there's a lot of reason for him to get into the hall of fame being that he's probably the reason why players get paid so much now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, there, you know, there's so many good guys that end up in that veterans committee. We all remember that's how Santo got through, you know, and some of these mm. guys are just so overlooked. I just, every time I see Alan Trammell's name come up, I'm just sometimes just flabbergasted at some of these omissions and how that happened. Yeah. And hopefully it gets in before he, you know, passes because I, I think he's one of the ones who deserve it. But uh, Ab- I, I guess we're, we're kind of off on a tangent. It, essentially we need a plan. So we already said hi to Crowley, uh, I think we can talk about the offseason some with the qualifying offered uh, free agents already established and talk a little bit about draft compensation and, of course, Shohei Otani, who may or may not be coming to MLB soon. Uh, thought we'd talk a little bit about the Wrigley Field renovations, and then uh, there are some uh, price hikes going on with the Cubs, and uh, how's that for Planter? I love this plan. That sounds good to me. Let's do it. As the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy-colored dreams, toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. Uh, This is Friday of Veterans Day weekend, and I think it's a good idea for us to just establish how much we appreciate veterans and what they do. right off the bat and uh you know i don't personally serve in the military i've never served neither has any of my family but my wife's family has pretty strong military ties and i think we gotta appreciate what they do for us so happy veterans day to everybody first of all yeah you know i don't know if you saw that uh schwarber had a really nice um tweet today for the veterans you know that guy just really seems to be another one of those good character guys that Theo likes to bring in. Yeah, and is he from Indiana, Indiana or Ohio? He's from one. Of he's from two. he's from Ohio, and he went to school in Indiana. Yeah, I remember it, it was either a brother or sister who was an EMT or a firefighter. So he's got like a lot of uh, family who does you know public service and you know the, that kind of uh, just dangerous but very necessary jobs. 
Yeah, like I said, and he uh, had a couple charities this year to support for first responders too. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool things happening. Like uh, Theo Epstein just started doing, like he started his foundation to be named later in Boston, and now I think he's establishing something. I, I read it's called Base also in Chicago. So he started base with his twin brother in Boston, and now he's bringing us to Chicago, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, the Ricketts really talked about being good neighbors when they bought the team, along with making other promises like improving Wrigley and bringing a World Series title. And, you know, you can just see that everything that they've always talked about, the fruits of that labor are really kind of coming through now. You know, we we can't say defending World Series champions, but, uh, you know, we had a – it was a really fun season. You know, I think that there, to me, it was a fun season. You know, it didn't, it wasn't as easy as 2016, but, you know, anytime you get within four games of the World Series, I'll I'll take that every time. Yeah, they, I guess they were within three games, barring a miraculous comeback that didn't actually happen. Because, you know, like, when they were down 0-3, I was like, well, they just got to win one, and then they that, did win that one. So that was much better than 2015 when they were, like, flat out swept. But, uh, yeah, it's like three straight years the pennant was won at Wrigley Field, and that that's kind of interesting and kind of a testament to how good this team has been. Yeah, when Theo came in, he really talked about, you know, the playoffs are just a crapshoot, but your job is to get in every season and, and, and one of those times just hope for the payoff and keep going that route. And that, you know, we got the payout, and, and, and as long as we keep, you know, the Cubs keep making it into the playoffs, you got yourself a chance to get into that World Series. And, again, close but they really faced a really really good Dodgers team and you know I don't know about you Rice but I I thought that whoever won against you know Cubs versus Washington was I thought they were going to beat the Dodgers Mm -hmm. but I think that it was like a a great prize fight where two heavyweights were just going at it the way that the Cubs and the Washington Nationals were and that crazy game five I mean you know I think that both you know both teams just beat each other up so bad that the Dodgers were able to really take advantage of that. Yeah, I was unfortunate, and, you know, the Dodgers had a little bit more rest than the Astros did, but they still had to go seven games, and that seventh game was kind of a letdown, but the entire World Series I thought was really good. Obviously not as good as last year because, you know, bias, but, (laughs) yeah, I I really enjoyed most of the World Series up up to Game 7, and I just watched all the way to the end just to see who would get the – MVP and I thought George Springer really deserved it. Yeah, you know it, it was it was good for the city of Houston to see him get that and and you know hats off. I'm really hoping one day to see a Cubs Houston World Series. You know they're, they're similar teams with really great young players and they both were constructed the same way. So it would be fun to see that matchup. Yeah, and uh, I guess we could segue into asking, well, how do the Cubs actually get back to a World Series in 2018? Well, first you have to get to the playoffs, which we pretty much – I think it's not good at all to guarantee anything in baseball, but we can safely assume that this club is good enough to make it back to the playoffs, whether as a wild card or as the likely division leader again. Uh, but – once you get in, you got to win two rounds to get to the World Series. So how did they get back to the World Series? Well, they got to retool the team a little bit. And so we can talk about, you know, free agency, trades, and possibly Japanese, another Japanese superstar coming in. Well, when you talk about the path to get back, you know, I was very – some people, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of jolted by the coaching staff and some of the moves that were made there. And, you know, I thought there was a lot of, you know, much ado about nothing over what Joe Mann was asked about, you know, the coaches all coming back, but they saw an opportunity. Don't forget that this is the same organization that let go of Ricky Renteria after a year because they saw a better opportunity with Joe Mm -hmm. Mann. Don't be surprised. You know, obviously everyone was excited about Hickey coming here, Jim Hickey from Tampa Bay, where he was with Mann for many, many years. But when I take a look at the path back to trying to get to a World Series, you know, when you have Chili Davis coming in, that interests me and Brian Butterfield as the new third base coach. 
those two moves really interest me a lot. So yeah. I think that that could have a huge impact on, on remember these guys are still very young on this Cubs team. And I saw certain things I wasn't happy with. And I know that the Cubs front office saw the same things. And I think those two hires address some of the issues that the Cubs had last year. Yeah, I think it's basically to shore up the defense and to make sure that they know what they're doing uh, in any, you know, ball strike situation at the plate because they just had a really terrible two-strike approach. And I don't know if you can really blame it on the Cubs because everybody right now is just swinging for the fences because the ball is juiced and they're just – everybody's taking that uppercut swing because they know if they even – get a contact that's likely to get out of the yard. But uh, I, I think you talking about youth is a very important thing because these guys are still growing, which is why I don't, even though you see guys names like Hap and Addison Russell and Javi Baez and Schwarber being named like Almora is another name. I, I don't know that they're actually willing to trade them away for pitching, which is one of the things that we've kind of bandied about a bit, but uh yeah, in order to get pitchers, you have to trade something. And now that the Cubs basically emptied their farm for Jose Quintana and Justin Wilson, there's really not much left. And now you have to basically take away from the major league roster to trade. The other route, of course, is free agency. And, uh, you know, uh, getting back to the coaching, though, do you, do you know who the new first base coach is going to be? Because the, now that Brandon Hyde is a new bench coach, like they have essentially a vacancy there. You know, the name that keeps popping up is a uh, former Cub Doug Desenzo. Ooh, okay. So for those people that remember some of those teams, you know, with Doug Desenzo on them, you know, late eighties, early nineties, I want to say, you know, having uh, Doug Desenzo back, he's kind of put a nice coaching resume for himself. So that's the name that I keep hearing to take over that position, which would be fun to have him back. Right. You know, but going back to Chile, you know, it's, you know, he really emphasizes situational hitting. And like you said, the ball is juiced, but Theo had mentioned a couple of times the two strike approach that he did not like, you know, we all enjoy watching how Rizzo, you know, he does strike out sometimes too, but he gives you one heck of an at bat once you get to the two strikes. Mm-hmm. And I think that the situational hitting was not there this year. You know, everybody likes yeah. the home run, but there's times where, you know, you got to just put the ball in play. How many times did we see, you know, bases loaded, no outs, and you got one run out of that? Or, you you know, stranding runners at second and third with no outs. You, you know, you got to start to play smarter ball than that. And we saw in the playoffs, you know, you're going to be facing the Kershaws, the Scherzers, you know, these type of guys. You're not going to be sitting there hitting a lot of home runs off these guys, you know. So you have to be able to hit in the playoff situationally. And, and Chili Davis just has a really impressive resume as far as, you know, that two-strike approach, situational hitting, pitch recognition that you talked about earlier. So I'm really interested to see, like, what Theo talked about as far as the new voices coming in, you know, and, and kind of hopefully hopefully making a difference and, and, take, and having a lot of these younger hitters take another step forward in their development. Yeah, and with Chili Davis, uh, you, you recall he won a couple of World Series championships with the late 90s uh, Yankees, and he – was himself a very good hitter, so he practices what he preaches, or I guess in this case it's the other way around because he preaches what he used to practice. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah. But uh, the other guy, Butterfield, I think he's supposed to be more of a, not not just a third-base coach, but also infield defense and possibly outfield defense. Is that Well, in, infield, he's really known for his infield defense, mm-hmm. and then the other thing is base running. Yeah, there we go. So that those are two really big things. Like if, let's say the Cubs are able to fill those two vacancies, which we know uh, probably John Lackey's not coming back, Jake Arrieta's probably not coming back. They have to fill those vacancies so the pitchers do their job. You still have to feel the ball behind them because they can't strike out all 27 guys, obviously. So uh, the defense, we know what their potential is. And, you know, at times it seemed like the Cubs – Actually, in 2016, they were probably the most uh, historically good defensive units ever. So 
we know what they can do. And now if we can just shore up a few of those little deficiencies that we saw in 2017, it, it should be a lot better. Yeah, you you know, you remember that Madden had that shirt deep heat. You know, he talked yeah. about – he really stressed the defense. And unfortunately, Russell's injury just never really kind of allowed this, him to have the season he obviously was hoping to have. And, you know – you gotta you gotta make those plays behind the behind the pitcher like you said. So I, like I said, I'm I'm excited. I I think there's a lot to look forward to. But you know when you talk about the free agent class, really not much out there, is there? That you mm. would you really kind of put big money and years behind? No, and I think you probably listen to the radio more than I do. I just read transcripts, uh, but it sounds like. Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein realized that, well, maybe we don't blow our money this year. Like, even though you Darvish is available and he doesn't come with draft pick compensation, and even though, you know, uh, they can spend, they, they're way under the luxury tax as far as I know, even with the arbitration raises, why not Correct. save your money for the following season when some other free agents are coming or uh, let's Theoretically, we could talk about Otani later, but let's throw some money at Shohei Otani, even with the MLB's uh, just really crazy restrictions for international free agents, and later on we could extend them. Like there, there's a lot of things that they could do that doesn't involve just buying free agents. And if you look at free agents, uh, like you said, it's really thin, and the qualifying offer free agents are essentially like the one position player that I might be kind of interested in is Lorenzo Cain, but he's on the wrong side of old, right? And then, Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Cain's a good name that I've seen, you know, out there. Um, my question, you know, too, here is, is it was Jed Hoyer who was on the radio the other day saying, you mm-hmm. know, what you spend may have an effect on next year, and there's no doubt that next year's free agent class is just – so much superior. There's really no guys out here that I, you know, to me that I would say I want the Cubs to go out and sign. That's going to be the difference maker that I would feel confident and happy with those contracts, you know, in three, four years. Whereas next year, there's just going to be so much more more opportunities. You know, everyone's, you know, obviously, you know, not happy that Jake Arrieta is going to be leaving, but keep in mind when Jake Arrieta came, he wasn't, you know, some big name. He was a guy that was possibly thinking about leaving baseball. He was struggling so much, going up mm-hmm. and down, up and down, you know, before, you know, let's tip the cap to Chris Basio, kind of let him let him repeat, you know, be himself as the uh, Baltimore Orioles kind of mess with him a lot. And you saw some good production. And so hopefully, you know, with, with Theo and Jed, they're checking out guys that may be under the radar guys or just not household names right now but hmm. could be in the future. Right. So if their sc- scouting is, does their job, they should be able to find another Arietta or Hendricks or somebody like that. And that would be really cool. Uh, the other one that's tied to uh, the Cubs is Alex Cobb, who might be enticed to come to Chicago because of Jim Hickey. But he, of course, comes with an qualifying offer. So the Rays would get a draft pick and the Cubs would lose I believe their second round draft pick if they were to sign uh Alex Cobb. And, Alex yeah. yeah, Cobb's kind of made some some mention of the fact that, you know, it's not just about money but also a winning situation. So mm-hmm. that right there kind of just, you know, made my ears perk up a little bit and say, Okay, you know, are people trying to kind of send some smoke signals here? Yeah. And uh of course there's Lance Lynn who it you know, it, it it's kind of weird with him. I think he's been consistently good, but he doesn't like just fly out at you and say, wow, I'm a superstar. He's just like one of those guys who like most people in baseball are just really good at baseball and not much else. Right. Yeah. Lynn, Lynn's an interesting name. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, and the, and the other question you ask yourself is that I always ask myself is if the Cubs have similar defense to 2016, how much better does it make those pitchers look? Mm-hmm. You remember, you know, you remember Jason Hamill looked a heck of a lot better with that Cubs defense infield, you know, infield defense behind him. So it's it's an interesting situation as to what these guys may be able to do if they come from, you know, the Cardinals infield defense was not that anything to really write home about, you know. So how much better could Lynn be if he was with the Cubs? I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. 
And that's pretty much it. I, I don't know how willing the Cubs are to throw, like, a Mark Melanson-type contract to Wade Davis. I don't know how willing they are to give $100 million to Jake Arrieta. So I'm just making an assumption that they're both gone. And it, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they replace them. I have heard uh, – I saw this in passing, I believe, from Cubs Insider that somebody – some people are talking about using Dylan Maples as a closer. And I, I saw that, and, and, you know, very similar to C.J. Edwards, you know, it's, it's the stuff's there. It's just going to be, you know, you can't be walking people at such a <laughs> high rate. It's the consistency, right. and you saw how bad that hurt uh, Carl Edwards uh, in the playoffs this year. So you just can't – the playoffs, you know how it goes, man, how, how, how gut-wrenching it is. Every pitch counts, and if you're sitting there walking, guys. Yeah, I mean that's going to come back. You, you just can't do that. So it's it's uh, Maples ha- definitely has the stuff. We've seen it, but it's just a question of, you know, we haven't seen it at the major league level, and we haven't seen it against some of this. You know, how he would react in say a you know a game seven of any you know of a NLCS or a World Series stuff like that. You know, in a extremely high leverage situation like that. Yeah, and as for the position players, I think they're the Cubs have been set. They're pretty much set for the next few years, unless they actually do trade somebody for pitching. Like, I I, I don't know. Like, uh, a guest writer for us just put out an opinion. It's it's a fairly well thought out opinion. There are some like little details out I quibble with, but the idea is to trade Kyle Schwarber for pitching, and Kyle. Schwarber obviously had a down season by his uh, rather lofty standards from 2015 and the 2016 playoffs, but he was still productive and he's shown signs in the second half that he's like figured something out and was able to adjust from his really just terrible first half. But I when you talk that- about Schwarber, I mean that's you're, you're talking about a guy that I really think Theo has a ton of faith in, and people forget. Right. He's a he's a kid who never played a full major league season. You know, he played a half a major league season in 2015. He played pretty much only in the playoffs in 2016. So it was a really tough go for him, and he struggled. And sometimes, I mean, that happens. I think you know, if if you remember when Anthony Rizzo came up with the Padres, you know, he looked awful. Hmm. And so that that can very much happen. And so I'd like you know I, I like the adjustments that were made, and I'd, I'd like to see what happened with Schwarber. You know this year in his second full season of yeah. baseball. So I, they really believe though with Schwarber that he is, you know, that left-handed pop that he could provide. And again, pitch recognition and two strike approach, you know, could go huge for Kyle. But if you get a left-handed bat with that kind of pop that he he's shown, that doesn't come around often. And, you know, Theo had a guy who had great pitch selection and a lot of pop and was a great left-handed batter in Manny Ramirez, who wasn't that good defensively. But if I'm not saying that Schwarber is going to be the next Manny Ramirez, but you got a left-handed dangerous slugger like that, it's it's really hard to just kind of give that up. Yeah, and he's also got quite the arm because he's had a couple of really nice outfield assists. So I think... He's a work in progress, and I'd be very reluctant to, if I were the Cubs, to get rid of him. But again, they both Theo and Jed have left open the door that hey, I'm going to consider any trades that make sense, and that's really the way to go. Like you're not going to shut the door on any option. You want to keep your options wide open. So just to see what's going to happen, because like they said, their other teams are always checking in to see hey, can we pluck Javi Baez from you or Aaron's from Russell or Albert Amora? And if the right deal comes along, why not, right? Right. And and, and I don't know if you've heard this one, and, and I'd like your take on it. You know, I, I heard a couple different rumors about Ian Happ to Cleveland for Danny Salazar. Have you heard okay. that? I think I saw you tweet about it the other day, and uh, my, my immediate thought is that I liked – you know, pre-2016 Danny Salazar before he got hurt. And now mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. And I also feel like Ian Happ is worth more than just Danny Salazar. They, the, 
Indians need to give something more than just Salazar at this point. And I'm not, maybe I'm overvaluing Hap, but uh, that's just the way I think. And like, you know, we both know Dabinsky, he has the little mantra where whatever we think the prospect is worth is probably too much. But uh, yeah, I feel like Hap is worth a little more than that considering his youth, his club control, and the fact that he's still developing that. And we've already seen what the back can do. Right. And, 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 you know, the trouble, and it's, it's a good problem to have. And you saw it some last year is you have a lot of pieces and, you know, you only have eight spots on the diamond to put them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ben Zobris is getting another year older. Uh, you do have Hap there and you have Hayward. And as much as people would love to send him to San Fran, he's not going anywhere. So no. that's not happening. So you you have to take a look here. You got Almora, who really showed some interesting signs of looking like he may take another step forward last last season, in my opinion. And so you can't keep all these guys. And so, like you said, you know, maybe it's not. You know, who knows? You can't. You're not going to get like a stud for Ian Happ. You're not going to get your front line rotation guy, but. You know, you have to look at trading somebody, whether it is Schwarber or Almora or Hap. And like I said, Hayward's not going anywhere. So, you know, that's what you need to kind of take a look at is what possibilities you can get from there. I mean, where does Ian Hap play in your everyday lineup would be a big question. Mm-hmm. So here's an interesting dilemma. Do you pay, like MLVTR is saying that you Darvish, who will not come with a a draft pick compensation because he was traded midseason is going to get six years and $160 million. Is that worth it? And if not, do you give the same amount of money to both bring Jake Arrieta back and also bring in Alex Cobb? Boy, to me, you know, Darvish is a really good player. There's no doubt about it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, with the World Series games notwithstanding, but um, boy, you know, it's it's just I I don't. To me, it's not worth the money. And even Jake, you know, I mean, you got to remember these contracts are going to be on the books. I know they're going to try to front load them so that you know it frees up more money. But you got to remember, a lot of these young players are going to keep getting more. The arbitration bucks are going to start coming up, and sooner or later, you're going to have to pay them. And I just got a feeling that, that Dar- you know, with a lot of these longer-term contracts with the pitchers, you hope, you know, the back end always looks way worse than the front end. But I just, I, I don't see, you know, you're paying for the future and what you expect. And I think that with Darvish, I just, I don't know how many more years. I know he's had some injury history too. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I, to me, I don't do it. And with Jake, you know, he's kind of had a little, you know, he had some uh, little bumps uh, last year, and and again, he's 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 somebody that was a late bloomer, late developer. So he's he's not the youngest guy either. So, so you know, with Cobb and Hickey, they have a you know they already have a pre-existing relationship. It may just you know he's been pitching in the AL East for so long. It may be interesting to see how he does in the NL Central. Well, and I hope, it, yeah, I hope he knows how to hit <laughs> at, at least until the NL gets DH, which I know a lot of people hate, but yeah. Well, you know, uh, it took a while to get Lester his first hit, so I don't worry about that too much, you know. <laughs> as, as long as you get those wins and you got that bulldog mentality, I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah. And I guess the final major piece that might come this year is Shohei Otani, and there's a lot of disadvantages for the Cubs, one that they're limited to $300,000 because of just the international spending penalties that the new CBAs have levied upon them and to the fact that the biggest spending teams can spend like over $3 million more than they can. So I guess Otani doesn't really care about the money at this point. He knows that as a Japanese superstar, he's going to get endorsements. He's going to be able to play basically for any team he chooses based on that mentality. Like, I don't care what you're paying me. I'm going to choose you and you're going to give me what I want even if it's not like, you know, the $200 million that he otherwise would have gotten. It's, it's an unusual situation. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of just sit back and watch it. I'm, I don't have real high hopes. You know, like you said, the Cubs definitely kind of are at a disadvantage as far as what they're able to spend. But at the same time, it's, 
it just seems very bizarre. I know he's going to make his endorsement money, but, you know, wait another year and see what happens. So just because, you know, somebody wants to pay the posting fee, that doesn't necessarily mean he has to sign, Mm -hmm. you know, and that would be something that interesting to watch. And the other thing he wants to do is he wants to hit. So, Again, where where's Otani? If you put him in this Cubs lineup, would you then be more apt to, to trade Hayward? I, or I mean, uh, Schwarber? I'm not sure. Like I said, Hayward's not going anywhere. So where would you, it's it's nice to kind of think in your head like, oh, the Cubs are going to get everybody, but it's it's trying to find position players. Like you said, you know, we don't have the DH in the National League, so. If it was if it was a national league, if we had the DH, then Otani would be absolutely perfect for the Cubs, you know, mm-hmm. no doubt. But you know, I I just I don't see that happening for just a multitude of reasons. Right, and uh, yeah, unless he is basically Ben Zobris plus a pitcher, he probably won't have a place to play on his non-throwing days and. Honestly, like without the DHD, you really want to damage your pitcher in the field, pulling a hammy, you know, rolling an ankle, trying to trying to make a really great catch in the field. I don't know. It, it's right. It, There's a lot of risks, and 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 you know, I I mean, the Japanese season, the their baseball season is just so much different than major league season as far as travel is the amount of the amount of pitches you throw. Uh, the amount of games, all that stuff. It's just, like you said, it would be, how's he going to handle coming here? Maybe he's going to be an absolute superstar. I don't know. But that's just, I, it, to me, it just seems really tough to, A, as a pitcher, get to learn all the hitters, you know, mm-hmm. and then as a hitter, getting to learn all the pitchers, and then all the cultural components that come with coming from a different country to the United States. It, it, it's going to be very interesting just even whoever gets Otania. You know, everyone, I think everyone's going to obviously keep a close eye on that. Yeah. So here's a very silly, silly thing. Like uh, my guess is they're not going to get Otani just for financial restrictions and the fact that they don't have the DH. Uh, They're probably not going to blow too much money on pitching and they're probably going to go uh, the trade route, which is going to be painful for us because that means one of the five names that we talked about, like uh, it could be Schwarber, it could be Happ, it could be Almora, Javi, or Addison. One of those guys, one or two guys might be gone if they're going for a front-end starter. But if they don't do that, then, you know, they'll get their pitchers uh, just by throwing money at them. And then for the position player side, I feel like they're just going to go for a complimentary piece where they bring back John Jay, or they just like uh, throw a few darts at the wall during spring training with non-roster invitees and see what happens. Yeah, maybe who knows, Curtis Granderson, some, 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 one of those type of guys. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of them out there, and Theo and Jed always do a good job of finding them. So, like you said, mostly complimentary pieces that you take a look at. It's to me the big question is playing time, and and I don't know how much of Zobra's season was a result of age or injury or both so at this point i think that javi needs to have the majority of the starts second mm-hmm. you know and then what do you do with zobrist is he just a everyday backup player you know one thing that i'm curious about is is you know i i would love and i don't want Contreras doing it but i would love to see rizzo get a little bit more rest um played a lot of baseball the last well they all have played a lot of baseball but Rizzo is one of those guys that just never is out of the lineup it seems and I don't know like I don't know how much injuries and all these little things I know Bryant was banged up a lot but I'd like to see them use the versatility yeah a little bit more I'd like to see more Javi at third give Chris Bryan a day off every now and then but a lot of that depends on how your season starts out you know in 2016 the Cubs pretty much out of the gate were just absolutely on fire and they were able to kind of play around a little bit later on in the season. Whereas, you know, here you were five and a half games back at the all-star break. And, you know, even within the last couple of weeks to the season, there was a lot of sweating and you were putting your best guys out in your best lineups every day. And every game was vitally important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
That kind of bring, brings us to backup catcher. Who do you bring in? Do you bring in Rene Rivera again? Do you let Caratini uh, take over? Or do you bring in, like, a former Cub, like uh, Wellington Castillo, just elected free agency? So he might be a more expensive option because he probably wants starter money. What about uh, Giovanni Soto for uh, our friend Maria? Um, <laughs> G- yeah. Giovanni Soto uh, is someone that's available too. If we're bringing up names from the past, I think when you talk about that backup catcher position, hmm. uh, you really want to take a look at a, a veteran catcher. So yeah. that's where someone where like Rene Rivera would come in, and and you know they had Alex Avila, which was you know a nice pickup for Theo. Um, but, I think uh, Avila wants to be a starter, and he probably rates good enough to be a starter, so he's very likely gone. Correct, and so that's where Rene didn't really have a ton of playing time, but I thought he really kind of opened some eyes mm-hmm. with a little playing time he has. So it'll be interesting. I think when you take a look at the pieces that you're going to see the Cubs make, it's obvious that the bullpen needs to be upgraded. I don't know if Hector Rondon comes back. I, I don't think, think he's a non-tender. Yeah, and I don't I don't think they want him back and I don't I say don't want him back, but I just don't think it's it's in the future and Justin Grimm was another person that, you know, was a part of the big part of the twenty six team that I don't I don't think will be back. So the bullpen was really mm-hmm. you know, in the second half started to really become more of that Achilles heel. You know, Wade Davis really did an amazing job, so replacing him is going to be extremely difficult. Right. Um, and, and I think the biggest question mark and, and the the biggest disappointment of 2017 was Justin Wilson. And this is where, again, Jim Hickey is going to have to hopefully really kind of get his homework done and, and start start trying to figure out how you fix that because that really hurt the Cubs more than anything was not having Justin Wilson being any kind of effective. Joe Madden, honestly, he would, he would have rather had Lester Strode on the mound than Justin Wilson. He He did yeah. everything – possible to avoid putting Wilson on the mound so you know anyone that watched Wilson in Detroit that was a really good trade at Theo's part and addressed a huge need having a a big left-hander who had good splits and you know they were looking at him as possibly being the the replacement for Wade Davis and now that's a really big question mark so yeah, that's to me the bullpen is where you're taking a look at a lot of the spending and moves that you're going to see the Cubs making this off season. Yeah, they're not going to throw it at Greg Holland, I don't think, but they will. There, there's like other guys. Uh, I I know Jake McGee is one on the list. I think he, I'm pretty sure he was a former Ray, so Madden's probably familiar with him. Uh, Addison Reed is another name on the list. Correct. And, Brandon yeah. Morrow. I feel like Dodgers would just take him back. He, mm. he he's probably priced himself out of you know the comfortable range you would want for that kind of kind of reliever. He he was really good. And yeah, he, he's impressive. Yeah, except for that you know one time where he he was tired and he gave up like seven runs and then getting out. But whatever, you know, like the guy had thrown pretty much every single postseason game for the Dodgers so it makes you wonder too you know and it it may be a different conversation for a different time but the bullpen usage that you saw in the postseason and just how crazy that was for Dave Roberts and the Dodgers I mean that was just insanity for me just to see just you know Kershaw getting pulled Rich Hill getting pulled in like the fourth inning you know giving up one run and seemingly cruising you know and you wonder about the wear and tear on some of these guys. And, and and Madden did it with Chapman, and he was kind of forced to do it with Wade Davis too. So if you're going to be somebody that's going to give a big contract to one of these guys that got, you know, majorly used in the postseason, extremely high leverage situations, that that always gives me a little bit of pause. Right. And I, I guess – you pace them during the regular season because that's a marathon, but when you get to a playoffs, that's more of a sprint, and you're just like, you know what? It, it's 12, max of 20-something games, and we're just going to sprint to the finish, so there is no tomorrow if I don't win these four, three or four games. And that's why they changed up the usage so much. Yeah, and 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 you know, seeing some of these guys that kind of have these hybrid roles like um, Andrew Miller, 
or from the Dodgers, Kenley Jansen, you know, you look at some of these guys that can go, you know, like relievers almost every day and still give you two or three innings, you know, do the Cubs see somebody like that in the future? And, and, uh, Maeda did that for the Dodgers too. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, that was really cool. And, it, it would be nice if the Cubs had, had that kind of guy. I think they want Mike Montgomery to that, be that guy. But like everybody else in the Cubs staff, like they just started being allergic to strikes, and I think that's ultimately why they had to move on from Chris Blasio because something was up with the way he was communicating with the pitchers, and they just stopped throwing strikes for whatever reason. You know, I, it's – yeah, I th- you know, I think if if Hickey doesn't become available, I don't know if Blasio's gone. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's one of those weird things where baseball is baseball. You know, where all of a sudden you see bats go cold, and all of a sudden it becomes contagious, and you're just like, mm-hmm. what in the heck happened? And all of a sudden, the same thing with the bullpen. You know, bullpen really bailed them out in the first half, the Cubs, and kept them within striking distance. And I just I saw, you know, a lot of guys just kind of start to run out of gas. You know, Rondon got injured again. That didn't help. Uh, You know, all sorts of, and like I said, Justin Wilson was a guy that they were counting on for a lot of important innings and got nothing out of him. Yeah. So let's assume that the Cubs do what everybody thinks they'll do. They'll get two starters and three relievers in the offseason. We don't know exactly who the names will be, but I think that's what we're looking for. One thing that I thought would be really kind of fun is uh, just just for PR purposes and for a veteran presence, how about bringing Ichiro into spring training? You know, I think that a lot of teams wouldn't mind having a guy like Ichiro. It's, uh, you know, he is, and when you talk about two-strike approaches and recognizing pitches, you know, he he would be an absolute fantastic guy to have around. I, I would, I mean, I think any team would be lucky to have him, and we'll see what happens. But I don't think the Cubs will be the only suitors. No, but Shake it. Uh, it, it would be kind of cool if they just invited him, even if he didn't make the team. Like he can show what he can do, and then he can end up somewhere else. But having that presence for a month and a half with uh, young kids, that that would be really cool. Yeah, he's he, you know he's done he's just done amazing things ever since he came into the league. He's just been a joy to watch, and so whenever there was an opportunity for me, when Ichido played for you know he played with what the Marlins this year, mm-hmm. and you know I didn't have a lot of opportunity to see him with Seattle uh, during his prime here in the MLB, you know, but I would love watching his at bats on TV and stuff. He was just a phenomenal hitter and. You know, hopefully, you know, if a guy like that was able to, if the Cubs were able to get a guy like that, just hope that approach kind of rubs off on them, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I could foresee someone that keeps himself as fit as Ichiro, he, he'll latch on somewhere. It will just be interesting to see where or if he just goes back to Japan. Yeah, you know, I mean, it might be a nice uh, finish for him to finish where he started. I mean, it's another possibility, too. He's... He's earned himself the right to kind of make whatever decisions he wants, but there's something about playing in major league that, you know, whether you're from Japan or Cuba or Korea or wherever you're from, you want to play against the best. And all these guys that are at the MLB level, they just have, they're, they're, they have that, that innate hyper competitiveness to want to keep playing, but take a look at Manny Ramirez, you know, he, he doesn't ever want to give it up. You know, he keeps bouncing around from place to place. Is he still in Taiwan? Uh, last I heard, I mean, who knows where he, you know, he could end up wherever, but, uh, Manny being Manny, you know, I always, there was a part of me when that bench coach, when Davey Martinez got that, the job in Washington that maybe said, man, I I wonder what Manny's doing. Or when you talk about that first base coach, Hmm. you know, Manny was an interesting guy and he was very helpful with a lot of the young players. I remember Theo got a lot of flack for bringing him in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the younger players gave him a lot of credit, and, and he's an incredible, you know, he was an incredible hitter, you know, PEDs or not. He, the guy was just amazing to watch. So, you know, who knows what he wants, what Manny wants to do, but Manny probably will always still be Manny. So mm-hmm. who, who knows? <laughs> but it'd be, it'd be fun to see him at uh, first base, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be kind of interesting. I, I don't know that Manny was the best base runner in the world, but uh, it would definitely be interesting. <laughs> 
Well, you know, uh, yeah, it was uh, Brandon Hyde wasn't the fastest guy either, but uh, you know, it's, I don't uh, know if it's uh, so much fast as in Manny just seemed to do some really dumb stuff on the bases sometimes. <laughs> I, he was a he was a he was a fun player to watch. He kind of reminded me, you know, he's like Yasiel Puig, you know, whether yeah. whatever he's doing, whether it's good or bad, you can't seem to take your eye off the guy. <laughs> Could it be our hero's moment? Could they somehow find a way? Will they rid us of these ghosts of shame? Wrigley record someday, and so you are going to Wrigley tomorrow for some reason? Yeah, you know, I... Renovations or what? I like to see what's going on, you know, with the renovations. I'm, uh, you know, there's a couple different things. I have, uh, I got one of those players weekend jerseys and I always like to kind of get the, uh, you know, I always put the Crawley on the back of the Jersey. So I have the people at the Cubs store are very generous and they kind of, uh, send my stuff out for me. So I was going to bring that Jersey in. So it's ready for Cubs convention 2018. And then, uh, you know, I just like, there's always kind of with, with the off season, the way that they've basically the the 1060 project is just fun to watch all the different changes around the ballpark mm-hmm. and how much and how intense they're working. And then uh, for anybody that follows me on Twitter, I mean, you know, I'm at the lucky door, which is um, a really fun bar that opened up um, directly across from Wrigley from the old uh, Bobby door, the old groundkeeper's house. So it's called uh-huh. lucky doors. It has uh, tons of great beer that's only av- that comes from different Chicago breweries. It's only available there. So I was going to stop by, have a beer, get my uh, jersey done, and then like take a look at the renovations because it looks like just so much. It, there's always so many, so much exciting things happening to the ballpark. It's the renovations. And when they talked about Otani uh, the other day, when Jed Hoyer was talking about it, you know, one of their pitches to these free agents were like, "Hey." Don't you want to be here when the Cubs finally win it all and be a part of that legacy and the team that will never be forgotten? But now that they've won that World Series, that pitch doesn't really hold as much weight. So the one thing they are going to be pitching is look at the facilities. We have some of the best facilities in all of baseball and everything that the Cubs do, whether it's the uh, home uh, clubhouse or the spring training facilities is top of the line. So, you know, the renovations have been an uh, integral part of attracting people to Wrigley free agents and, and helping keep the ballpark viable. So you are a season ticket holder just like Anno is, and I was wondering if you had gotten a chance to go inside their new office building yet because I read a thing on the Tribune that, you know, they're treating the Cubs front office like a startup where – if you've ever seen stories about Google, they have like, you know, juice bars and yoga mats and video game rooms and stuff. And you, they, they seem to have the same stuff inside that new building where the Cubs store is. So yes, have you, the, I've been in certain parts, not in all parts, but uh, yeah, that's actually where the, uh, the trophy was for the national league championship was mm-hmm. there. And uh, it, it's, Boy, I would, I, I, I would, I would love to see what it looks like, all of it, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Even just the small parts I've seen, just there's an aesthetic when you go in there. It just seems like you said, like a, like just hip, crazy, just cool place that anybody would love to work. Yeah. And it's come a long way. Uh, I was talking about Lucky Doors. My buddy who used to work for the Cubs, he, you know, he used to be at just the worst facilities to work in. You were, they were working in these tiny little not even air conditioned places that were just, you know, I hate to say it rat infested and, and not the nicest. And now you, you're sitting here and what the Cubs are doing in the front office in the business ops and on the field is just attracting the best talent. Yeah. And, uh, I think this year, like you've seen probably the Wrigley aerials shots where, uh, they, they have all the plywood and all the, all the, heavy equipment in the middle of the field. They've taken out the seats. They're moving the dugouts. They're probably going to extend the netting uh, further than the dugouts just for safety purposes, like a lot of ballparks doing that. Uh, do you know if the visitor clubhouse is supposed to be ready by this coming 
uh, spring, or is that next year? My, I believe it was next year. Um, oh, man. It, so they're still in the be, room closet? <laughs> yeah, it could be really interesting because the Cubs will not be given an all-star game without the visitors' clubhouse being remodeled. Right. That's that's already a done deal, and, and anyone that's ever been there, it is absolutely the worst. You know, I've been in both clubhouses numerous times. I've seen the new clubhouse, which is out of this world. I've never seen anything like it. It was amazing. It was mm-hmm. glorious. But the the visitors' clubhouse, if you you know, you you're you, you're in the dugout and you have to go up like all these flights of tiny little stairs. Like I'm not a big guy, and I'm not. You know, I'm not like Derek Lee, six five, or you know, or, or, or any of these huge guys that you know. I couldn't even imagine how they walk up those stairs. They got to probably do it sideways, mm-hmm. and then you get all the way up into that tiny little broom closet, like you said. So that has to be done. But my understanding is next year the big push, the big renovations that, like you said, the dugout, and then the other one are the two clubs that have to get ready that are going right. to be on each of the baselines and yeah. the one behind home plate. I'm um, very surprised that they. I thought it was supposed to be ready by 2018, the visitor clubhouse, because that's like several years uh, past the actual, uh, you know, home clubhouse. And it's amazing that MLB gave them so much leeway for that. That's very obviously a competitive disadvantage for the visiting team. (laughs) Yeah. And I think they're going to try to keep rolling that as much as they can, but, uh, (laughs) You know, it would. How cool would it be to have both the NBA All Star and the MLB All Star in Chicago yeah. during the same year? And that's you know that was the announcement. And, and now the question is: is the Cubs haven't had one in since what 1990? Uh, that sounds about right. 1990 All Star game. So you know, I think it's way past due. And 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 the renovations and just how you know, if you're somebody that hasn't been to the ballpark in a long time, you know, it still has that. Wrigley charm, but just the amenities are just so much better. And just being, you know, I'm very excited. Uh, if you've been uh, anyone that's following on Twitter, park at Wrigley, uh, there's just, uh, they're going to have the Christmas Mart down there. They're going to have uh, the ice skating. Uh, unfortunately, the weather canceled. They were going to have some Big Ten games on the uh, Jumbotrons outside. It's just so many fun things. It's just a fun atmosphere to be around. Yeah. And at some point, I hope the city relaxes their rule about uh, the park because I think it'd be great to have that park filled with fans, whether they have a ticket to the game or not. Yeah, that was really, uh, that's more with the city's restrictions. That was, you know, the Cubs really wanted to keep it open for everybody in the community and make it a communal thing. Um, You know, unfortunately they got to kind of play by Chicago's rules and, if you've been around for long enough and paying attention to the process of trying to get the permits to the buildings to everything, it's been a long, 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 hard trip to get what they've gotten. So it's just, it's been slow moving, I think in a couple of years. Um, you know, I know the bar owners were obviously very concerned that, you know, with some of these new places like Lucky Doors and Brick House Tavern and stuff like that, that it would take away. And, and uh, at the park, they do have um, beer stands that you can buy Goose Island and other products from. Right. But uh, I think they were scared. The, a lot of the bar owners were scared that it would cut into their profits and run them out of business. But you know, the way I look at it right now, it's there. There's plenty of plenty of room for everybody down there. Yeah, it's saturated on game day, so I think there's a lot of money flowing here and there, especially with the demographic that goes there. Uh, here's an interesting thing because we talked about the city. Uh, my wife showed me an article and. I think it was actually a statement from the Cubs and Tom Ricketts that the amusement tax is going up, which would probably lead to ticket hikes for you as well. Uh, the way it's working, the new amusement tax uh, would not affect baseball games. Oh, but really? Okay. It, no, it is already, but it is already extremely high. Chicago plays some of the Cook County and pays some of the highest taxes for the amusement tax. So every ticket that you buy to a Cubs game, I have to pay a 12% tax on every single ticket. And that's ridiculous. But what they're going to do is I believe either double or triple the prices for other events that would occur. Also concerts, right? Correct. And that would be the concert. So I got tickets the other day for Foo Fighters are going to be playing at Wrigley. In fact, they just added a second show because of the demand. Nice. But that, that right now I want to say the tax is 
maybe four percent, and it would go up to ten percent. Oh, that's gross. Okay. So and... it's just a, this is something that I all of these sports owners are getting tired of, and you're you're seeing um, there's going to be a big push, uh, similar to what you saw with the beverage tax. Yeah. Um, in Cook County, where you know they were taxing. Uh, pretty much every beverage, you know, this is going to be a push that you're going to see these owners, with Reinsdorf, Ricketts, the McCaskies, all dumping a lot of money to try to kind of fight this tax. And when mm-hmm. the Cubs were going to do the rebuild of Wrigley, that was one thing they wanted is they just wanted to use that tax, that 12% tax, instead of, say, bonds or something else. But even then, the city was absolutely not going to let them do it. Right. And I'm wondering if, I know that they actually boosted the price of the Cubs convention tickets like uh, the year before it was 108, now it's 120, and it's kind of ridiculous, especially in a year when they didn't even win the pennant. But uh, again, there's a lot of demand because Cubs fans are crazy and they like, like you know, lighting their money on fire. So whatever. Well, <laughs> you know, it was, um, it was, gosh, it, it's so funny because I think when I first started going and, had it been like twenty five, thirty five bucks, something like that, back in the mm-hmm. day, you know. And then all of a sudden, it jumped up to sixty. And then when they won the World Series, it almost doubled. You know, yeah. it went up to one hundred eight. And then yeah, this year up to one twenty. But yeah, we are a weird bunch as far as Cub fans are concerned. But um, you know, Cub convention for me is honestly one of my favorite weekends of the year. And. Mm-hmm. As long as I can kind of keep swinging it, I, I I just can't imagine not going because of just the fun, the laughter, the friendships that you make. Um, you know, I met Ben at Cubs convention. It had to have been maybe even like 2007, 2008. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, mean, I, I didn't even... go until like 2012 when Theo was hired. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I I didn't, you know, I wasn't really, I didn't get on Facebook or on Twitter. I used to do a blog years ago in around 2004, and I ran Mm -hmm. it until my daughter was born in 2008. But then, uh, you know, I got on Twitter around like 2015. And so just kind of meeting the people and the personalities, it's just kind of fun to see the the real person behind the avatar and get to talk to them. And like I said, we all, that's, that's the fun thing about Twitter is we all get to talk about the team we love. But when you go to Cubs convention, it's just like, it's just a party in the middle of winter and in the dead of winter. And it just reminds you that baseball is right around the corner. You're getting close to pitchers and catchers reporting. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fun in, in the hope of a new year. And, and, and now I think with the pressure of like, okay, give me just one before I die, you know, okay, I had my one. Now I'm, I, I definitely want to see more world series in my lifetime. And my dream has always been to see the Cubs clinch. Yeah. on Wrigley Field. Right. Um, but, in the, you know, e- either way, you know, it's just, just going there. Just It's just a fun, relaxed party atmosphere. And, and if you're somebody that enjoys talking about baseball as much as you and I and so many other people do, it, it's it's a really fun weekend. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess the next question I have is, now that they've raised the Cubs convention prices, have they also done the same to your season tickets? Um, season ticket invoices come, we just got an email about that the other day. I think they're coming next week is the invoice. So we'll find out uh, soon enough, but let's be honest. Like you said, it, this is their business. And unfortunately right, right. it's a supply and demand market. And I don't even know how long the season ticket waiting list is anymore. Um, so, you know, unfortunately they can charge what they like to charge at this point. And the one thing about tickets is the prices never go down. They'll yep. stay the same. They'll freeze them but they'll never go down. The concern I have is, is, is the pricing out of fans, you know, and yeah. I, I really hope that they stay cognizant of trying to make, you know, it's you, you know, you have kids, I have kids, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's a lot of different experience to go on a nice summer, summer day in an exciting pennant race than it is to be in. And like, an, I know they have cheap tickets, but like going on in April during a school day, uh, you know, it's not really the most for a kid, the most, the best environment to kind of introduce young kids to a sport. So, you know, it's just getting expensive for families, and you're concerned. But hey, like I said, you know, it's uh, it's a business, and they're in it to make money too. Yeah, I I remember when they used to suck really really hard. Uh, I'd get like a dollar tickets 
to Terrace <laughs> Reserve, and I could spread my feet. But now the ballpark's packed every time I go, and it's like, well, I can't move my seat anymore, and now I got to pay, you know, at least twenty five dollars per ticket, probably more, to get uh, get my family in. It's like a two hundred dollar affair, and it's it's not something I could swing more than once a year now. Right. And, 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 and that's when you say, you know, paying, you know, a dollar, that's, that's kind of the double-edged sort of stub hub yeah. is that when the team's doing good, you're getting nailed. And when, when it's, when the team's doing bad, you know, it becomes a lot more affordable. I actually had a buddy ask me if I wanted to go to the bears Packers game. And I was like, well, how much? He said 70, 80 bucks. I'm like, are you kidding? That's it. No, you know, no. for a bears Packer game, that's not much. Like, so, you know, it's, but like I said, they're never going to lower the prices because they know the commodity they have. And you're talking about three straight postseason, you know, three straight seasons where the Cubs have been in the NLCS and one of them ended up in a World Series. And people are, they're a fun team. They're a lovable team and people want to watch them. And if that's how they want to use their income, Cubs will be happy to take it. Yeah. Uh, that's the way with entertainment businesses. Uh, just FYI, I started over 150,000 back in the season ticket waiting line. And now I am currently at 26,650. So I think I got like two <laughs> or three years left to go before they actually try to call me. And well, I'll... let's start saving those pennies right now, man. Yeah. Look in the seat cushions and do what you got to do. I, do. I can tell do. you funny. The funny story is, is, uh, I was, it was, um, I used to, when I started season tickets around 2000, 2001, I was with my uh, future father-in-law uh-huh. and we split them. And after 2003, I kind of just wanted to get my own and under my own name, all that stuff. You know how that goes. And mm. so in 2004, I think it had to have been February, I woke up at four in the morning, waited in line, a freezing cold day by myself. And uh, they put wristbands on and they called the number and that's where the line started. And as I got up there, you know, I didn't think much of it. And then probably the fourth person behind me, I was there all day, fourth person behind me, they cut it off. Whoever wow. that fifth person was was number one on the season ticket waiting list, and that was in 2004. Wow. Okay. Well, hopefully they got a ticket eventually, or maybe they gave up, but uh, I'm pretty sure uh, unless miracles happen, I'm probably going to have to give up my place in line if they ever get to me. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's you never know, man. It's uh... – like I said, it was when they when we were going through some of those hundred loss seasons. You know, they were shedding a lot of people off there. They were people were getting called and not really interested when that happened. So you never know how it's going to work, and maybe they'll be hopeful. See, but see, that's the thing you don't want because then that means they're bad if all of a sudden the tickets become available. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we definitely don't want that. Well, I hope they don't supercharge you too much. And whenever you're at Wrigley tomorrow, snap some pictures. I'll probably re- retweet them and. Uh... Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, I, like I said, man, I, I will be down there, and 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 if you, if anyone's down, always always like I said, try Lucky Doors. It's a great new place to check it out and grab a beer. You know, especially if you're somebody yep. that really is into some of the micro brews. Great place. The beauty and the history in this cathedral. The sky so blue against the grass so green. And I really have to help my wife finish cleaning so we could get to bed at a decent hour. So I'm going to thank you, Paul, for hanging out with me while Ben is off doing honeymoon type things. Uh, You can find Crawley on his Twitter at? At Crawley's Cubs. And, uh, you know, anyone that's interested in some cool type of merchandise, we have a store. Uh, It's uh, www.crawleysclubhouse.com. No Ooh. E in the Crawley. So it's got we got some pretty fun shirts there that people really enjoy. So give us a check out, give us a follow and always like talking with fellow Cub fans. Okay. When you get off this, uh just make sure you send me that link so I can pimp it in the show notes. Sounds uh, good, brother. You can find us on Twitter, Anno's official at World Series Dreaming Twitter. Now that they have 50 characters, you can put the spaces in, World Series Dreaming, WSDreaming underscore Cubs. Find us on Facebook. Our WorldSeriesDreaming.com blog site is there. And, uh, Paul, if you ever want to write anything, let me know, and we'll we'll pimp it for you. Sounds great, man. You guys keep doing the good work you're doing, and uh, 
I hope Ben's, uh, I know Ben's probably enjoying his honeymoon, but uh, congrats to him and the missus on that. Yep. Well, thanks, Rich Deanna, for the theme song and Randall Sanders for hooking us up with the final out call from Pat Hughes. That was always great. Never get tired of hearing that. And guys, course, take care. And let's, uh, like I said, if you guys want to talk right, right, right after Cubs convention, I'll always have uh, kind of a lot of the haps from behind the scenes. So, yeah, I'll I'll ask Ben if he can, like, you know, just record something with you guys, and we'll we'll figure something out. That's like two months from now. But uh, for the rest of you, <laughs> please rate us on iTunes and share our podcast, and just email us anything you want at World Series Dreaming at Gmail dot com. Except, you know, don't nail us Nigerian scams or anything. That would be kind of lame. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us, and thank you for all for listening. And once again, go Cubs. Go Cubs. It was more than just a game.